0: As ever, by my partner in crime, MK. Hi. Uh, And our other partner in crime and failure, Luffagus. Hello. Hi there. Thanks for the intro. (laughs) I really appreciate that. I mean, it's accurate, but it still hurts. I just went to a box of cheese. I should be able to say whatever I want to about you. (laughs) That's true. You know what? Yes, that's absolutely true. For those of you who don't know, crew <laughs> just sent me a birthday present of Murray's Cheese, and that is the surest way to my heart, so please can something. do no wrong at this point? It's not just cheese, right? Like, I went to Murray's Cheese, and I <laughs> looked for cheeses that, even though I find them fundamentally offensive, I traded legal tender for them, including Stilton, and then no. I went and looked for the weirdest honey they had. <laughs> yep. Like, you got me, like, saffron sunflower honey or some damn Some thing. equally bizarre shit like that. Yep. And the guy who was, like, at the counter doing the cheese for me, he was like, what are you? And I was like, Do you, you don't need to know. It's this is just happening. Just, like, you that's, are unready for this jelly. That's right. Just facilitate it. Just <laughs>
1: it. Just. Did you have to list all of the kinds of cheese on your packing slip?
0: No, I lied. Oh, so this was the other fun part. <laughs> I that's... lied.
1: Great. Go I ahead. That's had
0: to lie. Like, no one wants to ship cheese. Like, the whole deal is that, like, if food is going to smell, no one wants to ship it right yeah right. um so basically like for reasons in case anyone is listening to this and thinking like you know i'll be such a lovely twee present for my friends going to murray's cheese on Bleecker street and buying them some fucking cheese Include. you should do you should absolutely do that for your friends if you love them yes but bad. don't do it at that location or do it online because that murray's doesn't ship what? from the store <laughs> I wondered why the packing was so weird. Yeah, that was not Murray's. I was, like, me going to the fucking shady-ass FedEx off of Times Square. Like, which is not even a real FedEx, guys. It's just, like, a copy shop with, like, a FedEx sign in the window.
1: (laughs) And, like, being
0: like, can you ship this really fast? And then they gave me some absurd... You don't even want to know how much it costs to ship this fucking cheese, folks. But... The deal is, they were like, "What's in this package?" And I was sitting there thinking, like, "Hmm." I could tell them it's cheese and have him in, have him inevitably be like, "We're not going to ship it," and then I would be stuck sitting here eating Stilton by myself and ordering you another box of fucking cheese off the website. You don't
1: eat Stilton; it's like solidified farts. Thank you, thank
0: you, but no, that is absolutely inaccurate. Stilton is amazing. Everybody should love it. Uh, so gross. Slash report listeners, I'm going to tell you a story at some later point about me, Lelbicus, dad, <laughs> Wales. Slash, well- Everything she's going to tell you about this guy hunt. is libel. I'm going to sue. First of all, libel is printed. Slander is or Never mind. Anyways, so he was like, what's in this box? And I was like, it was It was so awful. It was like, it was like comic book panels of like Hawkeye. Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, uh, Cookies. Cookies. Like, literally just cookies. It's <laughs> like, those are some fucking expensive cookies, lady. And I was like, you have no goddamn idea. And I was like, that bro thinks I'm shipping you drugs, <laughs> Like, that dude definitely thinks I'm trafficking some shit. Which, to be fair, you were. It's legal to mail food in the U.S. I don't know if it's legal to mail cheese like that in just the shut U.S. Shut up. i just sick.
1: <laughs> I like that he still enabled you. He was like, sure, I'm going to go with this. He owns a shady fucking
0: coffee shop off of Times Square. He doesn't have any morals. I was about to say, it's Times Square. Nobody gives a shit what anybody does on, in Times Square. I know, like, if I had brought a toddler in and stuck him in the box, he would have been like, eh, I'm... <laughs>
1: cookies. <laughs> Basically. I swear it's cookies. Ignore the crying. <laughs> <laughs> Honey! <laughs> It's cookies, shut up. Cookies don't cry.
0: <laughs> Good cookies don't cry.
1: We have to oh, okay, this is. I,
0: I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we have to move on.
1: It's I nine know. minutes into the recording and we haven't even talked about our topic. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening to my life?
0: I just high-fived myself, a la Luz Lemon, because I'm a baller. No, so actually, guys, I'm sorry about that entire interlude, but this week's topic... Is drum roll.
1: Does it deserve a drum roll?
0: Person of interest.
1: Woohoo! Yay! Yeah.
0: Yes. Person I, of I, interest I, is a show that is happening to you right now. Can I can I just say that I, I have gone on record and as, as saying that I'm not even sure that person of interest deserves its own slash report, but I have spent like the past month weeping like a fallen woman at you about <laughs> <at> this show. <laughs> And I think at, at a certain point, you were just like, okay, man, this is just going to happen. I know. I'm i, feel, I just cry within this period of time. Yeah. And I lied and told you that after this, I would, my crying would be over. No, you never promised me that. I, well, I, think, I think you and I were discussing this, right? Like, we're, we're going to give you an overview of person of interest, and then we're going to touch on the topic, which I think yeah. is worthy of some discussion, which is like, should you even be watching this? Like is, is, whether or not it's a good show is something we can debate for ages, but like, should you even be watching it? It's something we will talk about toward the end, but it, to give everyone listening to this a quick overview, um, do you want to get us started, Lepicus? Sure. Yeah. Um, basically, uh person of interest is a show about two men, uh, both of whom are kind of broken by circumstance, uh, who have taken it upon themselves to save people in New York City, um, the reason is one of them. Harold Finch, a uh, f- few years ago, uh, before this show starts, built a supercomputer that can basically spy on the world. Um, you know, with the advent of the Patriot Act and and all of these things, you know, the NSA had a huge amount of data that it could look through, but didn't have any program or computer to actually be Super able to French find. Yeah. yeah, exactly, to find the terrorists. So he builds it, um, but the computer also sees any premeditated crime whatsoever, even if it's not terrorist related. And so he basically decides, you know, fuck the police, I'm gonna go save these people. Well, the synthesis of that I think is a bit more complicated, right? Like, Oh, absolutely, not- but this is kind of this is kind of the thumbnail sketch of the synopsis of the treatment. Cause fair, there's fair enough. Yeah. The elevator pitch. It's, it's a complicated show. Um, so basically, he he finds and hires for various reasons that we're only now kind of discovering, um, a, an ex CIA agent named John Reese, uh, and that's not his real name. Nobody, by the way, has a real name on this. Has a real name. John Reese is not his real name. Harold Finch is not his real name. It's amazing. Um, anyway, so he hires this guy who's who's been completely broken by the government, essentially, and says, you know, help me out here, and they do. And the, basically, it's just the two of them running around New York, mostly Manhattan, saving people or preventing crimes. Yes. At the show. And then there are uh, a couple of secondary leads uh, that are two police officers who are amazing. Uh, uh, Joss Carter, who is kind of chasing them for a while, and then she kind of comes to be on their side. And uh, there's the the fourth character is um, Lionel Fusco, who is actually a dirty cop who John Reese um, basically blackmails into helping him, but he also kind of becomes part of the team. And the character arcs of all four of these guys have been incredibly complicated and really interesting. So that's... Still unfolding as well. Yes, still very much unfolding. Well, it's only about halfway through the second season, so yeah, there's a lot more to do. I think one of the most interesting things about this show, it really does carry on the legacy of shows like The X-Files and Fringe and 24 major shows with overarching mythologies and conspiracy theory plots, right? Um, And there was a very intelligent um, AV Club post about this, about how Person of Interest is a post-9-11 show that could only exist in a post-9-11 world, but only in this particular segment of a post-9-11 world, right? Where we've overcome (laughs) Yeah, they called it a post 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 nine eleven world. Exactly. Like, we've overcome the immediacy and the reckless anger that came right after the attacks, Mm -hmm. and now we're kind of, like, in this sort of reflective phase where nationally we're trying to clean up after ourselves, after all of our sort of brazen behavior, Immediate post-2001. We've already put into place all these systems that it's, like, fucking impossible to take back, right? Like, I think that if anybody, in in, like, December 2001 had thought that, like, the TSA would still be like this, like, in 2013. Like, we would have, like, checked ourselves, Wrecked ourselves. But it's a really, really interesting show that's culturally reflective of the time that we live in. Um, And I, you know, for me personally, I was very dubious about the series, not because of anything other than the fact that the... We have to discuss this, like, right up front. The two leads are very charmless to me. And I know that MK agrees with me on this, right? Yeah, 100%. They're like... Completely dead, and they it's like literally midway through season two, and they're finally having some chemistry with each other. I'm not even talking slashy chemistry, I'm talking basic human chemistry.
1: They're like instant box flake mashed potatoes.
0: They're they're just like so weirdly dead, and I can't tell if that's just me being in it unable to access them. And like, do you see it? And I'm just like not picking it up, Lepigus. Well, I I do see it. I, I see it more in the sense of I think they have tons of chemistry. So it's really interesting that both of you think that they don't because I think that a lot of their first of all I think a lot of the affect of the characters are is a deliberate choice by the actors and the and the writers mm-hmm. because if you think about it, you know John Reese for example is is one of these really weird act, uh, characters who is kind he's he's basically been born and raised by the army and the CIA. So he's basically a weapon. Yeah. Um, And he has no other, he has no other feeling of value. He has no other self-worth other than his ability to kill people, essentially. Right. Um, And so I think that a lot of what happens, especially in the first season, is you see a slow evolution of him kind of remembering how to be a be a human. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, and then for, for Harold, I think that he's really an interesting character because um, a lot of people have uh, written stuff about how he doesn't get people and how he's, you know, uh, he may have Axe burgers, he may have um, a sort of, you know, inability to interface with people. And I don't think that's true at all. I, 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 I agree that. with you. I don't think that's true yeah. at all either. I think he just doesn't like people very much. And he hasn't liked people for a very long time. Which makes his reasons for doing what he does now really interesting and very complicated. Um, I I would disagree on that. Like, I I don't think that he dislikes people. I think that he knows people. And as a result of of that, like, I, I don't even think it's misanthropy or anything like that. I just think that he's, like, painfully, realistically aware of the reality of people. And it's not even that he dislikes them. It's just that he doesn't expect much from them. But well, yeah, you know what? I think, yeah, I, I agree with and it, that. But I think that the good thing and the interesting thing about his character is that that doesn't mean they're not worth saving. Mm-hmm. Although there are interesting points at, later during the series where they sort of butt, like John, um, well, let's just call them Reese and Finch, where Reese and Finch butt heads because even more than Finch, um, Reese believes it seems to believe that everybody is worth saving, you whereas know. Finch occasionally has moments like, "Why the fuck are we saving these guys? They're dicks," you know. <laughs> well, they, they kind of switch off in in weird ways because there there are, there have been times when Reese has been like, "Fuck this guy, I don't care," <laughs> and and Finch is like, "Dude, no, really, you have to do this," and and Reese will do it. But but another thing that I think is related to the chemistry question is that. It's not really so much about how they interact with the scenes as what these two characters will do and have done for each other to keep each other alive. Like halfway through the first season, uh, Reese's character is found by the CIA because the CIA has been looking for him uh, because for reasons that don't (laughs) need exploring at this juncture. Like at the Uh, beginning of the series, the CIA and everybody in the world thinks Reese is dead. And by the middle of the first And they also think Finch is dead, but by the middle of the first season, they realize that he's not, and they come after him. Exactly. And they come after him with the intent to kill him. They shoot him. Basically he's gut shot and he's like, you know, trying to kind of get out of this parking structure and Finch is riding to his rescue. Now Finch is, um, seriously injured from before. We don't know what's wrong with him. He's not, you know, he's not field personnel. He's not supposed to like risk himself. Also, he, does, he walks with a very pronounced lip and is in an obvious pain a lot. Yeah, all the time, basically. Um, and and so Finch, like, comes and rescues Reese against Reese's express commit. He basically says, no, you stay away from here. Don't come any closer. And Finch is like, what the fuck ever. And and saves his life. Um, and then halfway through the second season, pretty much exactly the same thing happens. Uh, Reese is caught by a rogue agent. Um, and finch saves him again and then in the season finale of the first season uh finch is kidnapped and reese uh is supposed to just carry on this work of saving people without finch that is that that was the plan that is the contingency yeah reese basically goes this was not all about (laughs) yeah no he literally he literally threatens the machine uh because there's because the machine yeah, is another character yeah. that we should get into. Yeah, we but have to actually, talk about the machine. Yeah, well, exactly. We go he's any further. The threatens the machine that he's going to kill himself unless the machine helps him get Finch back. What? Uh, MK, despite the fact that you're currently not into it, like, weirdly, this show is more for you than it is for me. Um, yeah. But to double back a little bit, when we're referring to the machine, part of the premise of the show is that, so when Finch came up with a way for the government to find terrorists, what he basically did is he created a massive computer that he refers to as the machine that takes every piece of surveillance data that the government collects and doesn't collect, quote unquote, doesn't collect, and sort of collates it and like cross-references it and like highlights all of these potential points of entry and weakness. And it creates two lists. So the government only cares about the things that look like they would be massive scale loss of life. So basically terrorist attacks, foreign or domestic, but the machine is unable to differentiate or unable to kind of, <clears throat> unable to kind of like isolate those incidents without also isolating generalized violent crime. So that could be basically like your typical husband premeditating murder of his wife or like anything similar along that lines, but the government doesn't care about those individuals. So basically those individual one-offs, right? They just don't have the resources to like thought crime this shit. So basically what what's happening is um, the government is taking the massive loss, massive scale loss of life incidents and, and feeding it into intelligence agencies without telling them where they're getting this information from. And the other ones, the irrelevant quote list is being deleted every night at midnight. But Finch built Finch who had a partner who was his sort of moral compass back before he had to be his own moral compass. Um, built a back door into the machine so that every instead of the list getting fully deleted, the machine spits out Social Security numbers to Finch of people who are in danger or going to be involved in something. Now the premise is they don't know whether this person is the perpetrator or the victim, and that's part of every week's kind of like mystery of the week is Finch and Reese figuring out like, okay, is this person the victim? Is this person the perpetrator? and how they sort of negotiate this and i think what i think this sort of goes to the heart of like the next part of this i think that this show more than almost any other show that's currently running has all the bones of like a classic old school slash fandom and i find it really interesting that it's like a season and a half in which is about the point that sga my sophomore year of college is blowing the fuck up and it's still fairly quiet yeah and I wonder if that's just because of the way fandom operates now or what? Well, I think there's actually, there's a, there's, there are several reasons. First of all, well, I've, I've got a long list actually of reasons why it's not very popular. First Go. of all, John, it's, it's not very online friendly. It's, it's incredibly hard to find online. Uh, it, it's not streamed by CBS. Um, it's not available on iTunes. I, it's not available on Netflix in streaming. Um, you can get the DVDs from Netflix and that's pretty much it. Um, it's not on Hulu, obviously, because it's a CBS show. Um, so you can get the episodes uh, illegally, which would be so wrong. Um, but you can't, <laughs> so wrong. You can't, it's so terribly <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Um, but you can't get it any other way. And there's not really a, um, you know, it, it's certainly never... Like in any way, like a Teen Wolf thing, where there's any kind of acknowledgement that there are fans online, there's really no kind of online PR for the show, right? Other right. than like a couple of the a couple of the actors have Twitters. It's a anyway. same show. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then another reason I think is that it's the demographic seems to be like forty nine plus. Like my grandmother and my aunt watch
1: this show. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say because. Prue and I were talking about this a little bit the other night, because I've been trying to watch it in preparation for this, but I only made it to, like, one point. I'm going to say 1.7 episodes so far, and none of those was a full episode. Um, <laughs> we were like, <laughs> yeah. It, should, if, we should talk about Hello, Taylor's uh, Hello, Taylor's uh, scale of,
0: of person of interest, which is first the first step is confusion, and uh, I think uh, indifference. And then entertainment, and then obsession, and then agony. And I think that three of us are all at different points along that particular scale. Yeah, probably. Okay, what
1: were you saying? Sorry, I know that I'm, like, basically a child on the inside, but one (laughs) of the things I really like in TV shows is when they're, like, oversaturated with color and, like, you know, everything is Mm. visually and auditorially very interesting. But person of interest, like, all, like, sound, picture, everything is kind of a monotone. It's really? incredibly flat. Like it feels like it's from the 80s, and I think that's why old people like it, and like young people are like, "What the fuck is that?" I think that Person of Interest does that as a deliberate stylistic choice, right? Yeah. But when Rubicon did it, I was obsessed with Rubicon, and it was amazing. But see, Rubicon got canceled,
0: whereas Person of Interest is one of the most highly rated shows on television, right? and I don't
1: know why. Because I'm not I know, gonna say. I know. Is- I'm only like 1.7 in. So I'm not really qualified. No, no, no. That's not... I wasn't going to say something great
0: about person of interest. I was going to say something mean about Rubicon. But, like...
1: Did you even watch Rubicon?
0: I tried. Let's not go there. Uh. I tried. No, no. I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's a deliberate stylistic choice. But I think what's intriguing, it doesn't... Like, none of those things really kind of explains the fact that you have two male leads who are incredibly codependent and it's them against the world. And they live in this incredible intimacy where like, let me just give you a quick rundown. Like I do not ship these two bros at all for reasons that we will explore at a later juncture in this podcast. Right. But like, they're so strong. My feelings on this, but um, no, and I completely understand, but disagree. But anyway, or no, you know. obviously. Um, but let me give you like a quick rundown listeners of the reasons that I I just like intellectually I'm like well there should be like there should be like the wraith bait of (laughs) uh, Trish right now and it doesn't exist right (laughs) so first of all they more or less live inside of a dilapidated library that Finch bought because why the fuck not just buy a library let's do this
1: um Beauty and the Beast yes
0: yeah, there's already been the gay dads episode, basically, where they, like, were, one of them stole a baby, but then proceeded to, like, carry her around in a baby Bjorn and put her in a giant fucking hat. And it was just so amazing and good for me that I felt like someone had reached into my body and, like, twisted my ovaries until I just in.
1: <laughs> At the end of this, we're gonna have to give them the short list of episodes to try.
0: Oh, we will. Don't worry. Oh, don't worry. My short list is literally three episodes long right now. My short list is considerably longer. Mine is, like, You don't need any of the other stuff. Like, you need baby, you need dog, and then you need one more, and that's it. Um, (laughs) And then, like, and then they adopt what is essentially a murder dog. Like, it is a dog that was, like, that used to belong to the Aryan Brotherhood, but only understands Dutch. And just is the cutest murder dog in the history of time. And they just randomly have episodes that open with them, like washing the dog together in their library house. And, and then arguing over who's trying to, who to wash the fucking dog. And Reese making up lies and excuses to get out of it, which you get <laughs> the impression he does all the time. And then like on top of everything, Finch just randomly buys Reese stuff, like tailoring a loft, you know, like in Just all of these things. I'm sitting here thinking, like, in terms of just basic factual lists of things, all of these characteristics should wind together and create like the next shitstorm of cocks and sparkles on the internet. And for some reason, cocks and sparkles, it just hasn't caught fire. And I I find that really interesting. Well, I think I think a lot of that is to do with, um, weirdly, I think Teen Wolf is such a huge fandom right now that there's not really look like you know it's kind of Highlander, there can only be one and just Teen Wolf is too too big. There's not that many people who are that interested in like a secondary fandom. Right. Yeah. So
1: my fandom time is pretty much ninety percent Teen Wolf, ten percent hockey RPF right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and hockey RPF hockey RPF and Teen Wolf seem to be at dominating. least you know, in a completely you know prejudiced dashboard Tumblr view, no. uh, seems to be pretty much every-
1: if you look at like the pin popular fandom page every day, Teen Wolf, Hockey RPF, maybe one Gen Killfic or like Glee. Yep. And then like some which coding. is fine, and I actually I, I actually have
0: no problem with the fact that the fandom is small, because um, uh, there there are a couple of really good writers in the fandom, and you know You're who happy. cares about else from me. Um, But, uh, but it is, it is a little weird, I will admit, Mm -hmm. that there's, there's a bigger fandom. It's just, it's just particularly intriguing for me, like, as sort of like from a fandom anthropologist point of view, just, I've been in this dreck for so long (laughs) that, you know, you start picking up signs, right? Like, I feel like Jane Goodall, I know what the gorillas mean. Like, it's just, you should sort of like, okay, look, you've got two dudes, they have a library, they have a dog, and there was a baby. Like, yep. To, at, at this point, I should be writing an AU. Like, yep. That that is exactly what I should be doing. Instead, I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, this is a really interesting sort of like air to the franchise of like the X Files conspiracy blah, 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 <laughs> updated. <laughs> you know, and I, I I find it really interesting. I find that intriguing on some level. It's it's also you know I think uh, something that I find interesting is that most of the huge like the really big fandoms tend to be sci-fi or supernatural oriented. Um, And person of interest, if it it was on air in like 2004, could probably be argued as sci-fi. But I've read way too many articles by now that say basically like, yeah, actually, this show is a little bit behind what's actually happening. In the no, this is absolutely like, this is the limits of what we can imagine, but by no means the limits of what the government can do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Not I mean, they, it, it's, it's, it's been attempted. In fact, the, the show addresses the fact that the machine is the successful version of things that in real life, um, the US government has tried to do and the Chinese government has tried to do and a couple of other governments have tried to do. And- Apparently failed, but you know, good lies you know. apparently <laughs> failed. Big brother is watching. I know that like the modern conception of fandom, right, is that mm-hmm. science fiction slash fantasy fandom sort of like have a leg like, okay. up in terms of interest. I, I can't shake the fact that like X Files is so massive, and even still. It's been so many years since it's been off the air. Granted, we've lost a lot of what like, go went into the X Files, right? Like we've lost a huge body of fan work, which is really tragic if you think about mm-hmm. it. But then Gossamer Flukey still exists, and I'm just like, I guess part of me is like pissed on person of interest behalf that people <laughs> aren't like going nuts and like making this a huge thing, and partially because I want stories about the dog. <laughs> You do yes.
1: It yeah. comes down to the real, the, the truth behind your motives here. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I, I, I do wanna, I do
0: wanna tell uh, Slash Report listeners that literally, <laughs> Prue, we were on GChat when Prue started watching the episodes with Bear, <laughs> aka the Murder Doggy, and she was like, you know what? I gave a shit about some of these characters before. Not anymore. It's all a Bear all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that makes a lot of like, sense to me. Fun. If that a was pretty work, much you or your
0: like spiritual journey into person of interest, it was like, oh, cool character, dog. dog. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, I guess you guys are starting
0: to make some emotion puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else <laughs> is like, yeah, really fucking cute dog. He's so <laughs> cute, and he will totally eat you, and it's great. He's giant. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And then it's they amazing. give him a squeaky toy. <laughs> All right, so okay, that's kind of like the setup of the show. Um, we should talk about the individual character slash actors, and since you got him knocked up, I think that you should start with this weird gun dude. Oh my god, fuck you so hard, I did <laughs> not get him knocked up. Okay, for the record. She did. Something terrible, something terrible happened yesterday. She uh, did. She took him to was- the hashtag no, of a no, car. No, I did like, see, I had no like, part, part of it. Her. I had... Look at this! Look at this. Okay, once again, slander and libel, and I'm suing. I don't even know what you Um, guys are
1: talking about.
0: So basically, yesterday, uh, somebody had the really brilliant idea because one of the running jokes in the fandom is that uh, Jim Caviezel, who plays John Reese, is uh, getting a little thicker around the middle, basically, and uh, which which happens when you're in your 40s and you're a dad and blah blah blah. But a lot of people just find it funny. And so somebody was like, oh, well, maybe John Reese is pregnant. And I was like, no. I would like to say for the record that for once in the history of life, it wasn't me who said that. And it wasn't it's me not? either. I think it was Hello Taylor, in fact. She's got a lot to answer for. My She's God. like a dark bitch, man. So so Hello Taylor sends me like an ask being on Tumblr being like, oh, maybe he's pregnant. And I, of course, publish it being like, shame on you. And unfortunately, it has exactly the opposite intended effect. We're like new on the internet or something. <laughs> yeah, basically, I basically was like, "Oh, here's a big slab of bloody meat," and I was waving it in front of sharks. And so, Astolat wrote a um alpha. Is is it called an alpha omega fic? Yeah, alpha omega AU. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, which I I've literally it was the first time I'd ever even heard of it. <laughs> I don't how, I'm so sorry. Are.
1: I'm so sorry. And and Lazzli Song wrote,
0: like, a a follow-up. And then Judge Bunny also wrote a follow-up. And it's all on AO3, and none of it's my fault, and they're all assholes. And yet your name is on all three of those stories. Yes, they're all gifts. And I'm I'm, I'm clawing at the air with air quotes right now. (laughs) They're all gifts. (laughs) (laughs) We're luffing it. They're special presents. It's (laughs) the worst (laughs) birthday ever. (laughs) (laughs) so basically anyway i just want i just wanted to establish i just want to establish for all time that there is now Prag and alpha omega au in person of interest which had been untouched by this <laughs> yep so now you've, like, released the nodding kudzu into your fandom, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you do, that shit's gonna crime all over all of your fucking power lines, and, like, two weeks from now, you're just gonna look around, there's gonna be, like, dicks everywhere making babies. Dicks everywhere! Yeah, I, 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 did, I did a lot of looking at my life and looking at my kids, <laughs> let me tell you what. Um, but aside from him being pregnant okay. now, yes. tell me about your weird crush on this man. Yes. Okay. the The weird crush on the guy that I uh, uh, call the violent, amoral unicorn of justice, basically, um, because he is. I John Reese. To me, I have a huge weakness for uh, characters, um, especially men, but all characters who are just basically have nothing um, and or start out with nothing and kind of build from there. And one of the one of the moments when I realized that I was absolutely head over heels. In love with John Reese was I think the the episode with Zoe, who Zoe will talk about later. I love Zoe. Um, <laughs> Zoe's the best. Um the the episode where we're introduced to Zoe, which I think is the one that Emily or M is uh is watching now. Um oh, where is this
1: like Lady Finch, Fixer?
0: Yes, the Lady Fixer.
1: Okay, yeah, that's what I'm watching.
0: She's so at one point in the show in the episode, Finch breaks into this woman's apartment and and asks John, you know, over the phone, saying, Where do you keep the things you care about? And without even thinking, without, you know, any kind of sadness in his voice or anything like that, John Reese says, I don't have anything I care about. And I was just like, Oh my god, that's that's his character in a nutshell. He has nothing that he he has no possessions, he has no um really loyalties other than to Finch. He's got no family. He's got no friends. Uh, He's got absolutely nothing. nothing. And I love that character because he builds from that so amazingly. So anyway, yes, what were you going to say? No, 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 I was just saying he has nothing. The first time you see him as a character um, in the show, he's a homeless, crazy, drunk bum on a train. And... That's your very first image of him, and every single thing he accrues is given to him by Finch. Yeah, and even now he seems to like. I still don't think he's reached a point where he like takes things for himself. Do you know what I mean? Like, he takes things that people give him stuff, Wait. but it's like he's almost forgotten how to do it. Yeah. I
1: know that you said, well, that and I don't think he happened. cares
0: about any of the things that he's given. I mean, he cares about like at one point Finch gives him an apartment, like a gorgeous apartment off the park, like it's insanely beautiful. Um and I think that he likes it, but like if something happened and he never got to go back to that place again, he would not think twice about it. It, it wouldn't matter to him. It, things just don't interest him. And that's really that's a very odd character. I don't know of a lot of other characters who are like that. Yeah. On TV. MK, what were you saying?
1: I know that you said that all of this already happened in the show, but isn't the fic that you would ideally write basically like Finch gives this dude a dog, a baby, and a lovely library to live in. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying when I say, like, there should
0: be Wraith Bait for this? Like, it should literally just be called the library because they live in a fucking library with a dog and a baby, but, like, it doesn't exist for some
1: reason. Obviously the climax of this story is when he decides to take something for himself and that thing is Finch. Well, he basically has taken Finch. Like, in a really,
0: in a really interesting way. Like, he is... Savagely.
1: Like, (laughs) savagely up the ass. We'll, we'll talk about that later, too, I'm sure. But, like, he he's basically...
0: Reese is really interesting because at, at a certain point in the show, he does start taking things. He, like, you know, he he takes Fusco, who's the, uh, the dirty cop, and he basically just uses him because he's convenient. Um, but then he starts taking responsibility for Fusco as well because they're kind of friends in a really twisted way. And then he also takes... Carter, who is this, uh, cop who is the first chasing him and trying to, you know, bring him to justice, uh, uh, uh and then kind of, um, uh, gets, gets saved by Vince and Finch, and Reese is basically like, I love her, can you just keep her forever because she's amazing, um, and Finch kind of agrees to do that, because Finch will do whatever keeps Reese happy, um. And so watching that particular um, character arc where Reese does start asking for things for himself uh, is really fun and interesting. It's good for you. And he's just so broken.
1: He's
0: just so broken. <laughs> it's like the things the, the things that, you know, and, and people have touched on this before, but he has no sense of boundaries. He has no sense of like personal space. Like people in the show, like... Um, people that he's saving or people that he's interacting with will like, will touch him or like mess up his hair or like get in his face. And he just doesn't react at all. He's basically a robot and it's really, really like you watch it and you kind of are like, okay. And then you think about it and you're like, that's amazingly fucked up. Like, it's just, it's, it's beautiful for me to watch somebody like that who is basically, you know, dead inside. (laughs) But in a beautiful way. Uh
1: huh. Good. <laughs> and, and you're just so dubious right now. I can
0: actually visualize your expression right now. Can you? <laughs> I really, really can. Mm. <laughs> I can promise you that if you give it another couple episodes, you will actually enjoy it a bit. I think I a- we- least. <laughs> enjoy it a bit resounding words of recommendation <laughs> well, I, again i i don't know that i would universally recommend the show to everybody no agreed 100% agreed yeah
1: um
0: and i was just saying how um, as a counterpoint to you i think of the two characters i find finch far more interesting because <laughs> it's harder for me to get a grasp on him like i have a very clear idea of what the fuck is going on with reese Mm-hmm. Finch, I think, is a much more complex character helped much in part by the fact that Michael Emerson is a good actor. And I think that the other one's you know, he's trying real hard. Jim, Jim Caviezel's ones. very attractive, and that's kind of how he does his work. So yeah, that's what I think he's that attractive, and I should be handicapped in terms of attraction to him because he's a silver fox, ostensibly. <laughs> but not really. Like, none of my dirty old man stuff is like helping him out here this. Just... Well, I was gonna say I actually find Jim Caviezel outside of this role terribly attractive. Like I was dubconned into watching um Count of Monte Cristo. Uh okay. <laughs>
1: Sure. Are you sure you looked at your no. life and your choices? Like, did you look at them hard?
0: <laughs> did you? Did you? <laughs> I this twice when I watched it, but I watched it and I was just like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Where's when's Richard Harris coming back? Because it just wasn't. He's, he's not he's not a good actor, and he's not that attractive when he's not being John Reese. When he's being John Reese, oh my gosh, <laughs> you have all these feels. I have. A lot of feels, and most of them are NC-17, right? Yeah. Everybody's a better actor than Jim Caviezel in this show. Right. Well, like, Michael Emerson plays a really interesting character for me, because I feel a lot of the stuff that I dislike about the characters in the beginning, so maybe like the first three quarters of the first season, where I was just like, you guys are so fucking dead. You guys could be playing opposite, like a brick wall with pants on, and it would essentially be the same amount of character chemistry in every scene. I feel like that is probably, at least from the Emerson side of it, is on purpose for the beginning. Because he's trying so hard not to give any of it away. But as the series deepens, and they've deepened their knowledge of each other, and their sort of reliance on one another, like, little things have sort of peeped out, right? And I think that he plays it with such, like, a brittle strength, right? Where... it's a a difficult concept to fully articulate, but it's, it's the way that this is the way I always say it, right? Like when you're 23 years old and you feel like you can conquer the world, that strong that you feel is very, very fragile. It's very brittle because if anything comes in and like breaks down your point of view of reality, if anything kind of like betrays what you think is the way you're going to do this, you're going to fall apart. And like, if it hasn't happened to you yet, just wait, it's going to happen to you. (laughs) And that's like what the rest of your twenties are going to be like, is you figuring the fuck out, like, your ultimate conclusion is to be, I don't know what I'm doing, but I guess I'm going to keep doing it. And when you do that, you get to be a much stronger version of yourself. And I think that, like, his particular sort of detachment and his particular disengagement with this entire enterprise that he's done is very brittle, right? Like, he's only capable of maintaining his distance from it, like, if he doesn't give in at all. And the, just, you see the little cracks happening now. And he's already overly invested, right? He's already betrayed his initial conceit. And I think that that's really interesting because he's fighting it so hard. And one of the interesting things that you find out as you watch the series is that he had a great love. You know, and for anybody who has ever watched The Good Wife and Loved, Elsbeth Tassioni, the actress who plays her, plays Finch's um, Finch's ex-love interest. Um, And you just have like the sweetest most lovely relationship and like I remember I was watching this episode and I was basically like I was talking to you as I was watching this episode and I was like oh my god it's like they they reached into my head and pulled out everything I wanted from this one episode right because at one <laughs> point it's like her birthday and he sets up a scavenger hunt for her and the first stop is ice cream and then the second stop is flowers and then the third stop is an art museum And it's the Guggenheim, which is shit, but I can't have everything, right? Just because it's television. (laughs) Yeah. They could probably get the Guggenheim more easily than they could have gotten the Mets, so that's because the Mets worth having. Well, yes, true, but it's it's just a television show. They don't have money. I would have taken let it go
1: sweetie there's nothing in there anyways there's like some serious new york douchebaggery happening right now you don't
0: even it's gonna get worse before it gets better oh yeah i was about to say we're about to talk about new york no but i think that emerson plays a does a very good job with that character and as the show has progressed i think the problem now for me is that he is very convincing in his role whereas like unicorn jim remains (laughs) equally dead to me like he still hasn't started to access my feelings box yeah and I think and I think that that's that that's legit and uh and actually and I think that one of the other things about uh that that might have something to do with it because uh this show also indulges in a lot of flashbacks both for Reese and for Finch and in the flashbacks you not only get to see Finch's uh great love but you also get to see kind of his secondary great love which is his BFF yeah uh, his Nathan. Best oh my god Nathan who I adore uh Nathan is this like Texan blonde like kind of douchebag um who's incredibly charming and he's kind of the Steve Jobs to Finch's Steve Wozniak Wozniak? I think that's yeah, like Wozniak. You can just call him the Woz the WAS, exactly. Um, in that Nathan is kind of the face of this company that the two of them run together, and Finch does all the work. Um, For anyone listening to this, freaks out and starts writing a treatise about how Jobs is like a visionary thinker, or whatever, and Wozniak like bailed out and didn't do anything. This is only the fittest of metaphors. Like, this is not. Saying, not this, is, this is coming from somebody who doesn't really actually know how to operate her mech. But this is not actually, this is not actually, like, a parallel here. So you can, yeah. like, shut down the fucking Apple Mail email. Exactly. I've never, <laughs> I've never read It's a Silicon Valley, so this was, this was me being ignorant and saying that. So. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, Lophagus. They're making a movie with Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. No fucking shit. It's No way. It's for you. It's gonna happen just for you. Oh, God. The worst part is I'll probably go see it. Anyway. I know. Continue. So anyway, um. So at at some, so in the interactions between Nathan and Finch, you actually get to see a hugely different Harold Finch. Like he's, he's kind of, he's funny. He makes jokes. He's, uh, he's not injured. Um, uh, He's, he's just a very different and much more, I think, accessible character. Um, And then at some point in like 2010, before the show uh, starts, um, Nathan dies And uh, Finch is grievously injured. And I think both of those things contribute heavily to the way that Finch is now in the show. And I think that seeing what he was like before the accident or whatever happened. We don't know, by the way, anything that happened. Yeah. Uh, Seeing him before that uh, kind of colors your perception of what Finch is like now. Whereas Reese was kind of always dead inside and just kind of got progressively deader. But the interesting thing about Reese is, right, like his entire, he also, like, let's, lets anybody think that he doesn't have, like, a tragic romantic backstory. He does, and this is actually quite sad, right? Like, it is, but it's also kind of, uh, it's kind of, it's not, it, it, it is hugely tragic. Basically, he had a girlfriend 10 years ago he was stupid in love with her, but then he didn't see her for basically 10 years. Like, they met once at an airport, and then she called him kind of out of the blue, and then she died uh, before he could get back to, to help her with whatever was wrong. Uh, and over the course of the show, you find out what was wrong. She was uh, married to an abusive guy who eventually killed her. And, and it's incredibly tragic, but it's also, I think it's a really weird problem for Reese to have because he didn't really know her that well. And can I, can I put forth, like, a potentially, like, controversial, like, completely emotionally dead narrative point on this one? Yeah. It's a very tired trope. And oh, that Fridge Girlfriend, Girlfriend yes. I, I think that, like, that's the reason why no one is really that upset about Fridge Girlfriend. Like, her name is Jessica. The whole thing is, like, the first minute you see her, she's a tragic character. Because you know that, like, she's not alive. Like, you, the first minute you see her, you know she's dead. And she's not dead right now. She'll definitely be, be dead in the future. And her entire point in the series, like from the minute you know her, is to be some sort of like burning coal of pain in his heart somewhere. And while that's, you know, there's a reason that's a cliche and there's a reason that works. I, like, he's not good enough to pull that off in any way that's convincing. And she's not good enough to pull that off in any way that's convincing. And the premise is about- writing the writing in that particular relationship has been crap it's yeah exactly and the writing on that show is not good enough to pull it off so basically like you're just sitting there and you're like okay well i know she's dead i don't know how why she's dead yeah but it's very it, it is very weird because finch's backstory is very subtle and reese's backstory is very much like okay they they opened up a book of tropes and it was like how can we get people to care about this character give him a dead girlfriend it's like no I (laughs) could do better than that agreed and I think that in a weird way like had they not gone with that and it was just the ache of lingering regret because he was too damaged to actually be in a relationship with this woman Mm -hmm. I would feel more for him yeah Uh, yeah I would I would be much more interested in him if she was alive and had kind of said something like you know thanks for rescuing me from my husband but I'm not gonna be with you because yeah like like I it's crazy not gonna (laughs) happen yeah, basically. So, yeah, well, we can't always get what we want. So. Not
1: until we take anyway. the world. True. Carry on.
0: So anyway, so the other person that I want to talk to about real quick is um, the third lead, uh, which is uh, Joss Carter, who is played by the um, luminously beautiful uh, and incredibly wonderful um, Taraji P. Henson, mm-hmm. uh, who is an Academy Award nominee... And was not on the billing for the show for the entire first season. Like all of the, all of the, um, uh, cause I live in LA and all of, there were, there were just tons and tons and tons of, uh, of advertising, uh, advertising for this show. Mm-hmm. And like, I found out that Tarasha B. Benson was on it when I watched it. Like she wasn't advertised at all, which I thought was weird, but anyway, <laughs> she's incredible and really interesting the, in that she is the only purely good character in the entire show um yes. she has absolutely no um moral failings uh she's well, you know, she,
1: i mean uh, no, and, and, and no, the, the, this can this can be argued especially
0: uh in most recent episodes she started to do some things uh some very dubious things but like she is very much by the book she is very much um, in fact, I think at least some point says, "You know, your moral compass is pointed in the right direction." She is the ideal for all three of the other leads in terms of what what a good person should be. Yeah, and they and they really kind of blatantly say that uh, in, in many different times. Um, that uh, that she's kind of, kind of the only person there who's got her head on straight. Yeah, basically, <laughs> everybody else she's kind of like. I find the interesting thing about her is that I think a lot of characters that are meant to be like the good characters, you have like the Madonna horror complex in all yeah. shows, right? When it comes to women mm-hmm. and too many shows fall into like, it would be tempted to make her like perfection. And I think that while she is incorruptible, she's not, she's also not inflexible. So yeah. even though she's always going to be trying to do good at the heart of it, she will bend the rules if that's what it takes to do. You never say Exactly. You never doubt her motives. Like Finch, you doubt his motives. Reese, you doubt his motives. Fusco, you absolutely doubt his motives. Um, Carter, you always know, is is trying to do the right thing. And I think that that's really... She's just an incredibly fun character because she's not boring. Uh, And good characters like that are usually pretty boring. So basically, the thing that I love about Carter is that she's uh, amazing and uh, interesting and doesn't take bullshit. And I like that about her. She's I mean, there are there are times when she literally is like covering her eyes because she can't see the illegal thing that John Reese is doing at that particular moment. And she's like, I just I can't even handle you. And it's it's a beautiful thing for me. It's pretty good. I have to say, as much as I love Carter, my favorite is favorite person. No no, 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 I love Fusco, too. But like my favorite my favorite crazy bitch on the show is Zoe. Yes. Can we talk, okay, let's talk about Zoe? Zoe is like my spirit animal. Um, Zoe is actually a lot disturbingly like you, right? Zoe is like my spirit animal on every fucking level. First of all, that bitch is always in some stilettos, which like we should probably explain who Zoe is first. Zoe is amazing, recurring character. She started off as one of the numbers that came in, um, and she is a fixer in the classic sense. In she runs around in New York society. She's like dirt on fucking everybody. And you want something done? Like she's got it for you. So like she's an amoral agent. She's she's like an amoral agent of neutral chaos or whatever that shit is. If she doesn't work for anybody in specific, she trades on secrets and barter's. Um, and basically, you want something done by her as long as you can pay the price, she'll get it done for you. Yep. And she's an enormous asset to Reese and Finch in terms of information gathering and to be on their side. Um, and and it's worth mentioning right now, because it's hilarious, that John Reese has a crush on her that could be seen from space. And he's also scared of her, though. It's the yes. greatest terrified of her time. <laughs> because, like, it is the sort of crush that, like, a 14-year-old boy gets on, like, a much older woman. <laughs> like, yeah. On, like, the, the hot English teacher. Like, <laughs> he... He just, like, wants to look at her from across the room and, like, have an erection under his desk.
1: Well, He's- I was gonna say, So you, talk-
0: you, haven't, you haven't actually watched the most recent episodes, so that's not entirely accurate anymore? Interesting! Yes!
1: Interesting!
0: Yes. But up until, what? um, I'm on episode uh, 10 of the second yeah. season, but up until that point, basically, John Race's, like, entire relationship with her is, like, being impressed by her generalized terribleness... Her ability to clean him out in poker, and just being scared and turned on by her, just not stop. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that I think that Finch really like starts, you know, working on on John's heart, but like Zoe is the one who actually gets him to start feeling feelings again, uh, and it's it's beautiful to watch. But anyway, um, Zoe is a really fascinating recurring character, and she reminds me of Prue a lot. And <laughs> Prue is going to explain why. Oh God. She's terrifying, and I love her. I don't think I'm terrifying, but other people may disagree. You're kind of Uh, terrifying. You are definitely terrifying to people who don't know you. I (laughs) promise, I promise. Unless you're stupid, in which case, don't even bother. I think that's our point. (laughs) One of the the moments that I realized that I love Zoe um, more than was healthy was uh, there's a scene in the first episode that she's in, and up until now, she's been, like, traipsing around New York in these what 5-inch stiletto heels like terrifying you know beautifully dressed at all times and you know her day is over she's coming home and she gets out of the car and she's barefoot carrying her shoes with her yep and that is a, that is a super new york thing to do um usually people have like spare sneakers or whatever yeah
1: she does that in 106 yeah oh okay yeah. and that's the first episode that we see her in right sorry. and and i was just like that
0: is something that i will bet you $900 that the actress did um, right. that wasn't in the scripts. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this character is amazing. Um, and I fell in love and, and have not regretted it since. I've regretted a lot of things. but I've regretted <laughs> things that we- She's basically marvelous. She's incredibly smart. She, even though you first meet her because she needs to get her nuts pulled out of the fire by Reese and Finch, you never ever get like, there's zero damsel in distress syndrome yeah. involved in this. She herself, in fact. She does. And she continues to do these things, right? Like, and she seems amused by them. And yeah. you don't, like, it, it's one of those interesting things where, like, you're not worried about her, right? Like, if she's doing something, if she's doing investigating for them, you're not like, oh, God, she's Zoe's going to be in trouble. You're like, fuck, like, who, how is Zoe going to be in trouble? Yeah. And Zoe. Like, if anybody tries to start shit with her, She'll just take off her shoes and stab this guy in the eye. Like I'm not really concerned. Like you just want to see what crazy, competent, awesome shit she does. Also, she went undercover, fake married with Reese, which was really good for me. Yeah, that was that was that was a good moment for everybody. (laughs) And she was going to fight Reese for custody of the dog. She would. Well, and the dog doesn't belong to Reese. The dog is Finch's. So you know, that's another argument to have. So yeah. You no, know, Zoe is amazing and, uh, and and a lot of fun to watch. And she's been in like half a dozen episodes at this point. They have a, they don't have many recurring characters that aren't villains. And we should talk about the villains too because they're amazing. Um, but uh, but Zoe is definitely you know a prime jewel among uh, among the women of uh, person of interest. So and they do really good a really good job with women on the show. I think. I think, a, uh, I think they do a fair job. I feel like there's some disposable ladies that I'm just like, "Ugh, get out of here." Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, and 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 Jessica
0: uh, Reese's uh, dead ex girlfriend is is uh, is a huge mark against them. But you know, for every every character like that, they, you have an arch villain like Root, um, who is uh, a, hmm? who is played by Amy Acker, who is played by Amy Acker, Fred from uh, Angel the series, and who is. Uh, fascinating and really, really personable. Um, (laughs) completely bug insane. Oh, absolutely insane. Basically, Amy Acker plays Root, who is a hacker, um, a computer expert genius person who extrapolates the existence of the machine with almost no outside data, finds out that Finch is the one who built it, fools the machine into thinking that there's a hit out on her, therefore getting Finch and Reese to come rescue her and then kidnapping Finch in order to get access to the machine. Like that's amazing. It was a good series of episodes for me. It was a very good series of episodes and she's incredibly like, we can talk about the chaotic neutral or whatever, but she's like this chaotic evil character who you literally have no idea what's going to happen or where she's going to turn up next. And she's turned up again um, in the most recent episodes, and you know, literally when she came on screen, I I was like, oh my god, what's she gonna do? That's like, <laughs> weird. But her her arrival always precipitates interesting things, right? Like, Emily, oh, I mean, the beginning when you were like, what? The reason that Reese is sitting there, like literally arguing with a CCTV camera. Yep. Street corner in New York City, right? Threatening- while there's there, while there's a bunch of Aryan Brotherhood about to shoot him to death. Yeah, like with poor poor leon standing who is like another incidental recurring character who i love to pieces standing next to him like waiting to be murdered by the Aryan brotherhood while john reese is threatening to murder himself it's because of root so she's she's really uh amazing and you know there's there's a couple of other female characters who are just actual people um that they're writing as as human beings which is uh pretty good job for a network show on cbs yeah i mean to yeah. be fair like i know that everyone dumps on cbs as like a series and whatever and while i know that ncris like, i was about to say NCIS franchise. Well, no. no, 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 no. Okay. like while NCIS is not like anybody's cup of tea the original series of the show like i feel like their female characters have been some of the most interesting and like you have to watch the series actually to get it but like i think ziva is an example of, like, an amazing female character that everyone sort of, like, just discards, right? She's a beautiful woman. She's incredibly powerful as an assassin. But, like, everyone, you know, like, they never trade on her beauty. You know, that's not the reason she's interesting. Except and she at never... the
1: very beginning.
0: Except, well, yeah. And they also, like, don't tart her up ever. Like, if you ever look at Ziva on NCIS, she always has her hair pulled back in the most utilitarian outfit. She's dressed
1: like... Like, what's his face on Hawaii 5.0? Like, it's like cargo pants with as many pockets as possible. Yeah, and she's, like, she's basically Lady
0: Steve from yeah. Hawaii 5.0 like, she's fucking crazy. Like, she was Lady Israeli Steve. Great. Yeah, she would punch a shark in the face, like, if she could. And like, That's whenever exactly. they're breaking into a room and like a sting situation, she leads because, come on, it's, it's Ziva. You want her first.
1: One of the she, moments yeah. where you know that Ziva is amazing is like, Tony is trying to like, the way that he was with Kate, he would, like, say all these sexually harassing, terrible things to her just to get her all riled up, and he tries it on Ziva, making, like, a bunch of BDSM comments, and she's like, whatever, I already know that you like it on bottom. You probably like to be colored <laughs> up and, like, whipped. And he makes this, like, sad yes noise, and they just carry <laughs> on. MK, where are you, like, are you, you you're you confusing fan fiction
0: with reality No, again. I that say, I happened, happened, happened in the show. No. See, here's the thing, guys. Okay. When she actually digs this up, what will happen is that Tony <laughs> will have made a BDSM joke and then Ziva will have thrown it in his face, but then none of the other stuff that she just described will have actually been real. That's I'm going to find it. I'm going to show you Because I would have actually watched the show if there was any, you know, anything like that. But actually, hauling it back to person of interest, and I'm spoiling this for Prue, um, I don't think I'm spoiling this for Mclutz because she doesn't care, Um, but one of the, one of the other characters that we are, um, we've just been introduced to is kind of like Ziva, uh, much, much more terrifying, I think. Um, but we just got an episode that was from the perspective of the relevant list. Oh, Uh, cool. Yeah. AKA the people who actually are, uh, employed by the government to deal with the machines numbers that they give, uh, for, potential terrorist threats. And the entire episode is from her perspective, her name's Sam Shaw. And we go through this and she's kind of the Reese uh version on the other side. Um she's the muscle. Good. And yeah, and she's terrifying. It's it's actually 45 minutes of her just killing people basically. <laughs> like don't know that she leaves a whole lot of people alive. She shoots Reese at one point. <laughs> Like a lot. Whatever. He has, yeah. He, 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 literally, he literally like peeks into the room at one point and is like, could you please not shoot me again? And she's like, maybe give me a reason not to. <laughs> and uh, so, and she's, she's coming back. She's a recurring character as well. And she's played by Sarah Shaggy, who people should know from fairly legal and life where she played Danny Reese. And she's, uh, She's incredible in this role, and uh, really, really, really scary, but in a good way. I like scaries. Yeah, you'll like her when you when you get to that episode. You're gonna be like, oh yeah, because Reese and Finch aren't in the episode hardly at all. Is is the dog is bear in the episode? <laughs> yes, it is definitely in the episode. Good because I Leon <laughs> is Leon, who is
1: another one of our favorite characters. Shut up, I'm kidding. I <laughs> like the fact you're concerned. You're like, but holy shit is the dog there? like if that baby is stuck around you would have been like but the episode is about bear and that baby right dude i would watch a whole fucking sideshow show spin-off about <laughs> bear
0: and that baby
1: <laughs> can we
0: talk about the the fact that Brute, that prue has has tried to bribe and then blackmail me and then just shamelessly begged me to write a story you have no no idea how much shameless begging so much begging story based on the the real life story of um to a, a, a couple a gay couple who essentially found a baby in the subway um and she really she really super wants the person of interest version of this um where I want <laughs> this so hard i would like go find a subway baby and punch it in the face to get the of it. understand this <laughs> Like, look uh, in, in and for our defense. In our defense, if any of you readers or listeners uh, actually go and watch the baby episode, which is called Baby Blue, I think it's the seventeenth episode of the first season. It is. It is one fucking cute baby. That just it was like it was me clawing at the air around yes. my face. I was. I was so overwhelmed with like, you know, okay, for all the listeners that are that have also watched the new girl. Do you remember that episode, listeners, where Jess is, like, at the job interview, and she's, like, crazy on her period, and she sees the picture of the puppy in the cup? This is, like, this is my puppy in a cup. And it's, like, baby, yeah! Worse than you're even imagining. So, like, curled in the fetal position, being like, baby in a hat. And then, like, three episodes <gasps> later, they throw the dog at me. Nice.
1: Yeah, there was right. no
0: way the crew was going to be able to resist this. Uh, Damn! That dog and the baby, and the dog only speaks Dutch, and he, like, kills people. Ah. The one last thing we wanted to touch on before we hit the should you watch this show, and if you do, what to watch. Um, I was talking to Marilyn about this about how this is probably one of the only shows on television that feels New York accurate mm-hmm. and I it's I'm not gonna lie it's a major attractor of the show where I'm watching the show and they're like, oh we're in Queens. I was like I know you're in Queens I that street is a real street in Queens and other such things where you know like I, I think the city itself helps a lot with the authenticity of the yeah. scene. I was gonna
1: say yeah. I was watching it and I was like, hey, I don't know what that's called. But Yoko siren took me there well yeah and I mean it's it, it
0: is it does give a hugely different flavor to uh from like a show like castle which is all shot and set in or it's set in New York but it's shot here in la um and everything there is fake whereas in person of interest and they've talked about this um is all shot not only in New York but most of the time it's outside in New York like there's there's a lot of scenes in the street there's a lot of scenes that central park and
1: you can't fake it
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 one of those things where they're like oh we're in like a back alley in queens i was like yes i know you're in a back alley it's like all of these things are really accurate and there it's a show that like while it's fairly manhattan based they actually like go into weird parts of brooklyn and like mm-hmm. you've seen them down like in bay ridge and like weird stuff like that And you're like oh like this is not just the tv definition of new york city yeah but the whole span of it yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've had they have they've had episodes set in you know the suburbs of Far Rockaway where Reese gets a parking ticket and is really super sulky about it the whole time. Um, and you know they have they have uh, scenes set in like Coney Island and it's Coney Island, you know, and and even things like that they could fake that like restaurants and you know interiors of. Uh, uh, uh courts and things like that and hallways are still actual practical locations. Like yeah they actually actually out craft.
1: Yeah they rented out
0: crafts um for an episode and uh and that's really expensive to do. Um so it's a good thing the show is doing well. Yeah. Because that must cost a lot of money. (laughs) Pretty much. So, yeah. And and it is really nice um, as somebody who's no longer living in New York, but lived there for almost five years um, to get to see those places. And and I play, you know, spot the location uh, as well when I'm watching. And it's a lot of fun. So, okay, should the question then becomes what if you're interested in watching Person of Interest, what should you watch? And then we can address the should you watch it? (laughs) It's probably a good order to put it in. (laughs) i <laughs> uh, got a lot of feelings so you go first because your list is shorter than mine my list is incredibly short um, it is literally <laughs> you, you need to watch 106 which is the episode where we meet Zoe mm-hmm. then you need to watch 117 which is baby in a hat and then and then you need to watch 201 the first episode of the second season because that's murder dogs and that's it. You don't need anything else. That's terrible. That's not terrible. That's really terrible. You don't need anything else. Nothing else. You need a lot more than that. You need you need a lot. What, more what do that. you need? You have stilettos, you have baby, you have dog. That's all. <sighs> okay, no. <laughs> um, I, I will agree with um this you need stilettos. You need to you need to meet Zoe just because she becomes more and more important as the show goes on. Um, even though she's not replacing any of the main characters, she's still is becoming. I wouldn't be surprised if by season three or four she becomes a regular, um, which I think would be really interesting. But anyway, um, you need you need episode six of season one. You need um, episode ten of season one, which is the one where Reese uh, gets uh, cornered by the CIA, and you kind of start to see the the distances that these two men will go to keep each other um, and to keep each other safe. Um, because Reese is very willing to die so that Finch doesn't get caught, right? Like, he basically is like, absolutely, I will step in front of that bullet without a question. And that's, it, it's just, it's it's a huge milestone in the relationship between them. And it's also really helpful to kind of, you don't really need to see any of the other uh, myth arc uh, of the show to kind of understand what's going on in that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say you need to see, uh, you need to watch... Well, just in terms of pure entertainment value, uh, one sixteen, uh, which is the one where Finch Taylor makes a suit for Reese for no particular reason other than Reese needs to look really hot, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, backstory about Reese's uh, time as a homeless guy, and there's a lot of beautiful suits and beautiful beautiful cars.
1: Which episode is that? <laughs> I wasn't listening. See, season 16, or
0: season 16, episode 16 of season one, it's called Risk. Okay. Yeah. You are so easy.
1: You know, Dude, like, it's a
0: good episode.
1: I have read a lot of, like, hot Taylor A.U.'s. I'm <laughs> like, I can't really throw shade because baby. Has. I was about to say, well, it
0: also, like, that was the, that was the episode that first got Hello, Taylor, even remotely interested in the show. Because at one point, Finch actually says, no, no, the cuff should shiver on the shoe, not break. (laughs) like, what is happening? (laughs) Good job. It's really amazing. Anyway, um, and then I'd say you have to see uh, Many Happy Returns, which is a bummer of an episode. uh, But it gives a lot of backstory about John. And it's also the episode where Finch gives John an apartment for no real reason just because he wants to um yeah (laughs) and then second season I say you have to watch the I'm sorry before we we continue I just immediately had a flashback to MK's like I really like that you know possession (laughs) but (laughs) I like it when people own you (laughs) yeah like we really died I can't I can't believe that we didn't really touch on this but the um uh, DS themes in this show are kind of unbelievable. Like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like Finch just basically ordering Reese to like jump off a building and Reese doing it
1: like it's, with no question. That's less interesting. <laughs> okay, well then there then there's another
0: episode in, in two that you should watch called uh, "The One or "One Which is the episode where a a, a rival billionaire tries to buy Reese?
1: A rival billionaire? What episode is that? (laughs) Oh my god, it's like watching
0: you peddle drugs to a middle schooler. (laughs) Kid, I got the
1: good stuff. (laughs) Oh shit, it hurts. I love rival billionaires, they're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) There's a story in the Dresden Files fandom, where Tony Stark tries to buy Dresden. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, like, he fails, but he tries, because he's like, Marcone can't take take care of you like I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. you've just after this entire fucking episode, you're going to come off looking the worst, okay? <laughs> i barely never anything. Because I'll cut that. Did you hear your own voice when you said rival billionaire? I can't. It was like you've seen like the face of God. Like if you you had they man of kids that you could perked up right there. God. <gasps> but you know what? The thing is, is though that entire episode, because here's the, the conclusion of that episode, is the rival billionaire gives Reese a watch, a $2 million watch as a thank you. The, you do. Literally, the first thing Reese does is give it to Finch. The first thing that Finch does is destroy it.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's what you should do when somebody is trying to throw gifts <laughs> in you. <laughs>
0: it's like, this asshole's trying to take my woman- Ain't gonna happen. You yeah. realize what she's doing right now is looking for that episode to download. Yeah. Like, uh, she doesn't need anything else. Well, this, this is why I'm saying, like, this. Is, these are my recommendations. If you, like us, live bad.
1: That episode is episodes. 214, according to IMDb. <laughs> what <laughs> episode <laughs> is that, Okay, 214? Yeah, it's 214. <laughs> I it. I fucking knew it. Shut up! You did this to me!
0: <laughs> I did nothing. I told you to watch Stiletto's Baby Dog.
1: You invited Gus on this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say. No, I will, I will take absolute responsibility for that, because Prue hasn't watched that episode yet. <laughs> it's
1: a rival billionaire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Like, a rival billionaire who takes him to Russia yes. in order to, like, impress him.
1: I love Russia. I, can't I think we all need
0: a moment to recover. Can you just? kick the next just video, episode, what? um, the most recent episode, which is two sixteen, which is the one with Sam Shaw, where you get to see the other half of how this machine works. And those are my recommendations in terms of ones that will. If, if anything hooks you, those episodes are going to hook you. Whatever, guys. The letters, baby dog. Yeah, the, in the billionaire episode, they, that Reese and, and and Finch also have a conversation because uh, Bear is feeling depressed. <gasps> <laughs> and they're worried literally that they're not being good parents yes what if they're not being good parents i will let you i, I i'm not going to tell you what the conclusion of that is but there is a conclusion god i'm so worried about bear you should be he spends the entire episode sad so the question then becomes do you think people should watch it i like it because it fulfills like, a little place in terms of my media consumption that, like, I love conspiracy shit. Mm -hmm. I have a fondness for procedurals, and I had a dog, and I had a baby, and I have, like, no deeper, like, reason for recommending it other than, like, I loved The X-Files, every fiber of my being. Um, I loved Fringe. Um, and I love this type of sort of, like, interesting procedural with a myth arc and with a conspiracy at the base of it, you know? Like, I, I find that really intriguing. But I'm not... I don't know whether or not this is, like, for everyone. Do you know what I mean? No, and I, I agree, too. Like, one of the reasons why I'm not particularly bothered that <laughs> it's not a big fandom is that I don't know if it's for everyone. I am... I'm, you know, in, in that five step program. I am at the agony level. I am absolutely beyond in love with this show, um, but I recognize that it's not going to be to everybody's taste. It is an incredibly tightly written, not always well written. The dialogue, in particular, is not very good. So if you're the kind of person who like can't watch Once Upon a Time because of the bad dialogue, you may not be able to watch Person of Interest either.
1: That's me. I hate Once Upon yeah. a Time. Yeah, so the so and the dialogue is really you watch primeval. Yeah, oh. but that has time traveling fucking dinosaurs. So clearly shitty dialogue is
0: not really the barrier to entry to you. No, you no, know <laughs> like se-
1: yeah, yeah. Once Upon a Time is just really boring and I hate everyone on it.
0: Well, and that's valid and that's fine. But but I'm talking about just from a <laughs> pure dialogue perspective. It's not it's not very well written. The plots are incredibly well written. Um, the conspiracy stuff is really fun and keeps unfolding. Um, one of the great things about this show is they don't really stick with one villain. There's like about eight of them now, like arch villains, like mafia bosses and people like that. And then shift. Yeah. So I I would say if you like, uh, yeah, if you liked X-Files, if you liked Fringe, um, if you like, actually, if you liked uh Y5O and then stopped liking it once you know terrible things started happening on that show.
1: It got you, better. You, what was that? It got better.
0: No it didn't. No it didn't.
1: Yes, it did.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. No it didn't. No. It got better. I'm seeing Taylor Swift my, in my head right now. <laughs> you should definitely give person of interest a shot. Um if violence bothers you you shouldn't Also, if you have, like, I have to tell you guys, right, like, if you have, like, a low threshold for absurdity, you struggle with this show, because multiple times throughout the course of this show, like, Reese will just be, like, assembling sniper rifles, like, like you do in the back of a fucking cab, and, like, nobody looks twice at him, and then he'll, like, pull the car up into a camera blind alley, just, like, roll up with, like, a fucking mask or some shit on, just, like, start shooting people in the street. And, like... That happens, by the way, in the pilot. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're just like, okay, sure. I guess this is like a thing now. So, I think that that really stretches belief for me. And I... And the show builds in enough, like, safety nets that you're like, I can understand why he would be able to get away with this. I just don't like it in terms of that. Um,
1: I was just saying don't watch it because of the 80s and the monotone but on the other hand I hear there's a billionaire. <laughs> so a billionaire rival for, for
0: Reese's affection yes
1: yeah and it's so. really and it's really very very
0: clear that it's about affection and it's about you know who who gets Reese in the divorce or whatever. It's <laughs> like about the possessionness and oh, absolutely and, the uh, the watch. Yeah. And, um, buying people and Russia. Those yes, are all and all things the like. <laughs> um, My wrecks are not a particular surprise. Um, if you go on to AO3 and you look at kind of the most popular, uh, um, my God, my brain's farting. The okay. most popular fix. Um, these are all kind of up there, but, um. Um, I would recommend Fealty by Askeladd, um, because it's one of, uh, it's, it's a fic where you see, again, kind of the lengths that, th- that both of them will go to keep each other safe and to keep each other, basically. Right. Um, it's very well written, uh, very interestingly written. It's, it's, uh, it was written after the 12th episode, which was a cliffhanger, um, Fair warning, there's, like, four episodes right in a row that are all cliffhangers, and it's kind of, you kind of go a little crazy. Um, and uh, and it's not how it actually happened on the show, but it's it's still a really interesting, you know, what if this had happened uh, idea. And um, and it also plays to the idea that Reese is very much, uh, very much belongs to Finch at this point, and I love that about it. Okay. Uh, another one is Point of a Pistol by Giddy Geek, and it's, uh, it's another long story. It's one of the longer stories in the fandom. The fandom is tiny in terms of people who are writing uh, high-quality fic, but um, some of the stuff out there is really good. Um, but anyway, it's, it's basically uh, Harold and uh, or Reese and Finch on a road trip um, going upstate to get away from Root, who's following them again. And it's really beautiful and there's, you know, carjackings and uh, the dog is there. Don't worry, Good. crew. The dog is fine. Um, and that's beautiful. And then the third one I have is Losing Control by Neary. And it is the obligatory sex pollen Because <coughs> of course that happens. Well, I was about to say, the, it, the really funny thing about this this fandom is that there are not that many tropes written yet. Cause there just aren't, isn't that much fic written yet, but this is one of the only kind of sex pollen ones that I've, that I've found. And, um, and nothing happens. Um, Cause Finch kind of puts a stop to everything, but it really is. It's, it's all about Finch's headspace, um, which is a really fun place to be. Uh, Cause he's, I think that he's a very difficult character to write, um and I respect it when uh people write it well. And I think Neri wrote it very well. So those are those are my I absolutely do not recommend the M in any way. Which guys I totally read. Yeah. I read it too and I, I, I hate everybody associated with that. It, never it gets like, like it. four M preg thumbs up though. <sighs> I was about to say, isn't there like a spirit wolf saying that say, you guys
1: like, that a spirit if, wolf scale? That, that story, like, I'm going to use the Toronto
0: scale for this. That's That story is, like, 16 spirit wolves.
1: Whoa. Like, it gets the
0: extra spirit wolf for just, like, the assholery of, like, writing you an Embrank story that you were- <laughs> Basically, it was like, I was getting trolled. And I was getting trolled by, like, anonymous dickwads on Tumblr as well, being like, hey, look at this. I have to, seriously, I give it 16 Toronto spirit wolves because, like, you know, like, 15 is a super huge number of spirit wolves, but it gets 16- because it's extra trolly, and you brought upon your own demise. So basically, you're the tragic hero of your own butt pregnancy. I was about to say, I was, I was definitely hoisted on my own petard uh, for that, and own empray. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, the, the the thing that's that's super hilarious about this is that it's completely hypocritical because I've written M-Preg. Um, but I was just, I was very angry about it and just still am and will never. Oh, I don't think, I don't, I don't, think anybody is like, Mpreg is bad. I think that everyone is just like, don't do it. Don't, don't challenge, accept this. It's and then three people challenge accepted it. They just, they just wanted to make you happy. They just wanted to make you fecund with happiness. Fecund?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just happened
0: just like them. reese yeah. right and, and now now i have i have friends of mine who are threatening because because one thing that i i will absolutely take credit for uh and i can't recommend it because it's still a work in progress but uh Lies lazuli song is totally writing me a story where john reese turns into a cat good yep this that's happens. that's happening I've, I've made her do it for two other fandoms and uh je ne regrette because it's hilarious does he have ums f- what was that does he have kittens? No, I don't think so, although he, there is a conversation about the fact that he's kind of a pudgy cat. Okay, hey, get Lazolight on, because I know you're gonna listen to this. You should give him some kittens. He should totally have no, some kittens. I was about give to say, him say some kittens. kittens and then have the millionaire, the rival <gasps> billionaire,
1: steal him.
0: Oh my yeah. god, yes. And keep him in
1: like cat <laughs> luxury. Oh my god. I don't even know what's happening. Me. you first
0: of all turned against me
1: this is like last night i was i
0: was talking to screamlet about it and i was like oh my god this prank thing is to happen it's terrible lazuli song is in on it and she was like oh you know what should happen pregnant with kittens. <laughs> <laughs> and i was it was literally like i realized that everyone around me had just turned against me and everything was dark
1: darkest <laughs> timeline.
0: Uh that was some friends of mine are because um i have tags on tumblr for all of this all this this entire show and my tag for um finch is the nerd king of manhattan and my tag for john reese is violent amoral unicorn of justice and people have been threatening me to write threatened to write for me the au where he is a unicorn (laughs) and finch is the king obviously the natural result of that is some Loki crossover shit right there right oh I'm sure that they can like discuss how to be single horse mommies but that's the thing is like everybody that I've introduced the show to has gone through like the this show kind of sucks why are you making me watch this and then eventually is like why did I just watch every single episode where are the rest of them oh my god so fair warning we'll see we'll see how this goes Alright guys, we've we've been doing this forever. Um uh, yeah. we have to end this. Sorry, I had a lot of feelings. I still have a lot of feelings. It's okay. I'm glad that you came and expunged them. <laughs> yes, I exercised a couple of my demons. It was it was really good for me. Really? I don't know if it's gonna be really good for your listeners. I don't know, you know, it'll be fine. They'll they'll, they'll live. F- whatever. They they've lived through work. <laughs> I was gonna say just edit out everything it's, you know what they've got a lot of this shit coming down the pike at them because there's gonna be a fourth wall episode and an nhl rps episode coming up so like they, they've got some rough weeks up ahead i they
1: was just, just gonna say this episode, is gonna, souls. Yeah. this episode is just gonna be 12 minutes nine minutes <laughs> is you guys discussing whatever the fuck we were talking about originally <laughs> and then like two minutes of stupid assholery and then like the music Basically, the end. But <gasps> yeah, I was about to say I should have recorded this so I could be like, okay, this is the real thing, guys. <laughs> no,
0: sadly, that's gonna be the a end. Loss. The end. In conclusion, we have to say right, goodbye, end. guys. Goodbye. Bye. Any, like, are we just going to talk about our feelings, or is there anything? The only person who has feelings about the show is you. Okay, hold on. I'm going to swallow this muffin. Yeah, you are. <laughs> swallow it down, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 That, that was super deep attractive. You're just lucky you can't see this right now.